I'll take headphones off and we'll just have to hope this is working. Alright, here we go. Here's a leap of faith. Yes. yes. This is the Spider-Verse leap of faith <laughs> episode of Nerds for Normal People. <laughs> Super friends, and welcome to Nerds for Normal People, the podcast bringing nerd culture to a normal world. I am your master of the geekly arts, and with me I have two people whom, who I call friends and in one case family. Oh, you don't have to say that, man. She's right here. Don't, 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 don't let her know that. <laughs> well, since he spoke first there. Bill... Welcome to the podcast. What's up, Danger? Happy to be back. To, uh, ready to talk some Captain Marvel. And of course, we couldn't talk Captain Marvel without the person I know who loves this character more than anybody, Beth Dunstan. <laughs> yes, I'm so glad to be here for the episode that I was brought on specifically for. That was exciting. <laughs> that is not the only reason... Also, Jason Momoa's abs. That's true. <laughs> this is true. That was the first reason. This that is was. the second reason. <laughs> Actually, I think this was the first reason. <laughs> so either way, A Mo cult. abs, Captain Marvel, same category is what we're cough, doing. Cough, yeah. cough, cough. <laughs> now, if we sound significantly different than usual... That's because we're actually recording this live and in person. We have, we've been through as many technical difficulties as we have on a normal record. But, but like, in the same room. It's weird. You'd think, like, that we're in the same room together that we would have no technical problems. But, but we're just, basically all huddled around a microphone uh, right now. And it's a good microphone. But, so, fingers crossed this is working. We can't actually hear ourselves as we're doing this. So, we're seeing sounds. Hopefully you all are hearing sounds. That's, it's a good sign. <laughs> if we put it out and there's signs and there's sound that you can hear. If you record it, they will come. There you go. <laughs> I guess let's get started. This episode is going to just be about Captain Marvel. So, we just came from the movie. We're, we just saw it. This will be full spoilers, because I don't want to just spend however long this is going like, oh, well, a thing happens. Uh, so you have been warned. If you don't want the movie spoiled for you, go see it. Uh, it's really good. It is. It's That's the main thing I want to get across, besides the obvious spoiler that we see Thanos' ass in this. So much of Thanos' there's, there's all. Yeah. It's, it's almost exclusively like the it's last third. It's a little third. bit distracting. A yes. little bit. A little like bit. you would think maybe it would just be the post credit scene, but they turned it into just it was there the entire credit. Yeah, it was weird. I, it was tastefully done. I'll grant them that. It's really a artistic. fantastic artistic choice, as as you were saying. Uh, but Thanos' ass out of the way. Out of the way. <laughs> Oh, it's never yeah, out it's of never the way. Out of the way. That's right. Uh, it is all encompassing. The strongest asses of... take the strongest wills. <laughs> <laughs> so Captain Marvel is great. Captain Marvel's really good. I, I think me and you had specifically on the pod before had talked about how we had some reservations about it. Um, and we and we talked about it. Yeah, right, I did too. Yeah. I think even mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. We were talking about it right after we got out. They did not market this movie as they should. Uh, yeah, I think that's the first takeaway. Beth, I know you had some thoughts on the marketing. Okay, um, so uh, in the lead up to this movie, one of the main images they kept using 
is Carol Danvers at different points in her life falling and then getting back up again. Mm -hmm. And not only did that not really sell the movie very well for me, I think it actually ruins a really powerful moment late in the film. It really does. And um, it makes it less effective than it normally would be if Mm -hmm. we had not seen those images before. Mm Basically, uh, Captain Marvel, it's it's her emotional journey trying to rediscover herself. And those moments of her standing up are when that happens. Because she only, re- she only remembers herself falling before mm-hmm. this. This is the first time she remembers getting back up. And because we've seen those images so often, it's a little less effective, I think, than the filmmakers wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree, and you know, it, I think it's a testament to how powerful that moment is. That even for me, like, mm-hmm. you know, she's as you said, she's throughout the entire movie. She's you only see her falling, but her getting back up in every time period yeah. in her life, and then seeing her find mm-hmm. get back up and deal with the with the supreme intelligence, supreme being, or whatever. I thought was really, really powerful. And what what I really, really enjoyed about the movie was. Basically, every, like, every dude that we didn't like in it was every, like, shitty thing that anybody has ever said to a woman ever. Yes. <laughs> and, like, just her just in, in the face of that, just like, okay, you you, so you should smile more. Well, screw you, I'm going to take your motorcycle. Or, yes. Yeah. You know, it, it, and none of them felt like they were played as moments of just, like, well, look, she's going to stick it to them. It's like, no, she just... Didn't mm-hmm. regard it as a thing, like or it's like the guy who was telling her to like smile more. She was just like she shrugged it off and then stole his motorcycle because it was useful. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I'm very glad that they didn't turn that into a well, sir. Yeah. <laughs> because and, and I will tell you, just last month I was walking down Main Street in the town that I work. And somebody stopped his car, rolled down his window, looked at me, and told me I needed to smile. And what? Okay, so this is what is people's fa- what is <laughs> what are men's fascination with telling women to smile? I have never once seen a woman walking down the street and felt the need. You know, she. Sh- I'm going to tell her she should smile more. That would. Yes. I don't get it. I, I don't get that. I, I don't either. And, you know, it's not something that's said to me often, so mm-hmm. it was shocking when I heard it. And, like, and he sort of seemed surprised that I did not immediately smile. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's strange. You think saying that, they would instantly I smile. Know, but I did like that it just, he wasn't even worth her time. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, I liked that. Absolutely. It, it, the movie, I think, treated it and treated all those kind of moments like that as just, this is a moment in her story, mm-hmm. and you only care about it in how much as it applies to her. Yeah. And they didn't stop and be like, this is a teachable moment that we're going to lecture <laughs> right. you yes. on. Because I have it, seen... It all felt very, very natural. Yeah. It all felt yeah. like it, it within the it themes was a, of the movie. It was a good movie first, mm-hmm. and then just, it kind of like yeah. led uh-huh. by example. Like right. uh, Monica Rambeau said at one wonderful point of what kind of example are you leaving for the children? Because yes. <laughs> her mom wasn't going to run an incredibly dangerous mission. Yeah. <laughs> Think of the kids, mom. Think of them. Yeah. 
Which, by the way, Monica Rambeau is going to be an amazing superhero someday. Is she? Now, here's the interesting thing. Because this is set, what, late 90s? Yeah. So, presumably, she is 20 years older now. Yes. We Mm -hmm. see kind of uh, during the post-credits thing that Brie Larson does not seem to age. No. Captain Marvel no. does not seem to age. I don't think yeah. Brie Larson like, ages either. Well, probably Brie Larson doesn't yeah. age either. Yeah, but uh, Neither does Samuel L. Jackson. Or Paul Rudd. <laughs> I'd have to get that Paul or Rudd. Or Clark Gregg, for that That's matter. That's true. He... He I looks love, the same. He's okay. looked. He's looked forty-five since he was twenty-three. So. Okay, so <laughs> I'll true. get back to the point I was going to make in a second because we need to talk about one the special effects to DH Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, Look, it looks really good, and you can't tell for most. That's like within the first five minutes of him being on on screen. I just went over to you. I'm like you. Can't tell at all. This is like hold on to your butt, Samuel L. Jackson, in, oh, in yeah. Jurassic Park. But the my favorite thing is Clark Gregg looks the same yeah. as he always does, he except they filled in yeah. his hair. He has more yes. hair. That's the only they, difference. They gave him hair in the front, uh-huh. and uh-huh. then that's it. And you know what the funny thing is? I noticed more with Clark Gregg than mm-hmm. I did with Sam. Yeah. Because it's just like, yeah, it's the it, fact that he's still he still looks like he's. How old is Clark Gregg? <laughs> like 40... Let's see if there's a website. How old is ClarkGregg.com? Well, here, we actually have it pulled up. Oh, sweet. For questions just like this. Born in 1962, so he's late 50s? Yeah, he'd be... My dad was born in 62, so he's 50... Oh, God, how old is my dad? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Um, 55? Seven, fifty-seven, fifty-six, fifty-seven. How old? <laughs> Here, for those listening, yeah, we're looking. How old is Clark Gray? Clark Gray. I was going to type how old is Bill's dad. No, but I was not aware. Of he's fifty-six. That. You see, he's fifty-six. Got it. After the fourth try, but still, Clark Gregg is fifty-four, fifty-six years old. 56. I can't. When I have the answer right in front of me, I can't get it right. <laughs> I'm sorry, Bill's dad. He's yeah, never true. learned your age. But, like, the thing is, I think they did so little on Clark Gregg, mm-hmm. which, granted, he's in the movie a lot less. Mm-hmm. He's in there for just a few small, but kind of, at least mm-hmm. one of them's kind of a crucial moment. Yes. Uh, but he's he's in there a lot less, so I think they were just like, well, we don't need to spend the budget de-aging Clark Gregg as much. We'll give him a hairpiece yeah. that'll make him look a little younger. Mm-hmm. They probably went a little heavier on his makeup. Mm-hmm. But, like, he still looks like he's kind of 56-year-old Clark <laughs> yes. Gregg with heavier makeup he's and actually, a hairpiece. He's 55-year-old Clark Gregg in, in 1990. Whatever what year this takes place yeah, in. fair yeah. point. They took a year off him. <laughs> but, like... And so his is far more noticeable than they did all the work to de-age Samuel L. Jackson. That's probably where most of the budget went, honestly. (laughs) was just like... Well, that and I think the big final thing. Yeah, absolutely. Which is is so cool. It's so cool. But uh, my original point is they could now easily get away with casting a Monica yes. Rambeau. Mm-hmm. And she is... Spectrum. Spectrum. She's, okay. Well, she's had... She was Miss Marvel at one time. Yeah. She has had 18,000 superhero yes. names, much like Carol Danvers has. But they'll probably just settle on her current one. Shazam. Which is Spectrum. <laughs> Which is Spectrum, <laughs> Which not is Shazam. Shazam. Yeah. 
And so, like, I was, because I was thinking about that, I was like, oh, because they do kind of some hints of they're just like, someday I want to, like, fly like that and do this. And I was like, oh, well, I mean, that's a nice, like, thing to lead into future stuff. And then I thought, wait, this is set in the past. They could just, just like, yeah. like, she could show up in, in game. game. Yeah, she could. Yeah, she could. <laughs> They'll probably save her for post-in-game and give yeah. her powers and stuff, mm-hmm. but still. Yeah. I, what do you guys think of the story overall, though? Like... Do you think... I, I thought the first, like, 25, 30 minutes was a little slow. It doesn't really pick up until they get onto Earth. Or C-53, or whatever they, whatever they call it in the movie. Yeah. I think part of it is initially her character is has amnesia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, like, that seems kind of mean to say, but, like... And she doesn't know. She's like, only has, like, what, the last six years of her life where she's been yeah. on the Cree homeworld of Hala... She occasionally gets flashes of stuff, though there's some stuff later on in the movie that seems to hint that even those flashes have been manipulated. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think the movie starts to kind of pick up after the ambush. Yes. Um, Because then that's when she gets taken and the scrolls start diving through her memories and you Mm -hmm. start getting glimpses of stuff. And then after that, she's on Earth slash C-53, as they call it, and everything hits high gear. I did like as soon as she got on Earth, like, I know we saw it in the trailer, but, like, the first thing that she gets into is, that she crashes into is a blockbuster video to make you really understand that you are in 1990, what, what year is it, 1995, 1991? I think it's something like yeah. that. So, what's more 90s than uh, blockbuster and then shooting a, a, a cardboard cutout of Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jamie Lee Curtis from True Lies? Yes. Beth, what did you think of the story? I really enjoyed it. I'm sort of in agreement with Bill that the first 20 to 30 minutes I thought were the weakest part of the movie. And it's interesting, a lot of Marvel films kind of fall apart in the third act. And this Mm -hmm. film just got stronger as it went Mm -hmm. on. I think it has Mm -hmm. one of the strongest third acts of any Marvel film. Mm -hmm. And um, But those, those first 30 minutes are not bad, really. But mm-hmm. it's necessary setup. But yeah, at, at the same time, like a common critique I had heard of the reviews before I went to see this is kind of how you know no uh, personality that Carol Danvers has the for the first couple of minutes of it, and I yeah. disagree. I can. Yeah. I think she 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 definitely has is like cold and steely sometimes, but like at the same time she was cracking jokes when she was fighting. What's it? What's Yon Rog? Yon Rog. I was about to call him Yondu, and I'm like, that's Mary Poppins, y'all. That's there's <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, I I I thought that, and even like like as she was as we were going through the movie, she just becomes more kind of. She realizes who she is, and by doing that, she becomes a, a more likable hero. Yeah, and, and yeah, been, she does. Uh, and I think that one other little criticism I have of those first 20 minutes or so is that I know Captain Marvel's backstory. I'm pretty familiar with the comics, but I felt like we were kind of jumping back and forth between a lot of different ideas and settings. Mm-hmm. And I thought, if you're unfamiliar with this, if you're going into this with no idea who the Korean scroll are, like, I could see someone getting a little bit lost. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, though, I'm, I'm with you. I think she did have personality. I think she mm-hmm. she's, mm-hmm. she's clearly tough. She's... Uh, 
she uses humor to kind of deal with her situation. And in young adult literature, you you can't throw a stick at a shelf without hitting a book that is about someone with amnesia. Yeah. Yeah. It is such a trope. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of times the character is just a cipher, and she was not just a cipher. No. Absolutely. And I, I think, honestly, because she had, she definitely had attitude and a lot of interesting things about her character from the beginning, but like, I think it's the interesting thing is as it went on, she kind of found out who she was and she developed more to where it's not just like, I'm making smart aleck comments. It's okay. I was making smart aleck comments before I had amnesia too. Yeah. It's well, it's that, but it's also just like, Oh, I'm connecting to these people Mm -hmm. who were important for me again. And it's, because every Marvel protagonist, for the most part, can make smart-ass comments. Yeah. Yes. And I think they did a good job. They started with that and then kind of showed her growth as a mm-hmm. person. I will say, Beth, because it's interesting that you say, like, well, I know Captain Marvel's origins. Because they changed a decent amount. They did. Uh, I was looking it up because I wanted to make sure I got it right. They got rid of the Psych Magnetron. How dare um, they? Okay, for those who don't know. The, the what? Okay. Is that, an, is that a Transformer? Is that so, a... for those who don't know, there and there's a wonderful old article from Funkhauser called Who is Captain Marvel? Hey, who wrote um, that? Who wrote that? Might have been written by yours truly. But I like yours truly. <laughs> he, he does good work. He does great work. <laughs> but... In the original comics, she is in love with this Kree soldier named Marvel, who is the original Captain Marvel. And there's a space weapon called the Psych Magnetron. It blows up. She gets powers because she gets like Kree DNA grafted onto her own. Blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. She's comic book stuff. Yeah, she's Miss Marvel for a while in a one-piece bathing suit. Eventually, goes. Why the hell is this my whole costume? And, <laughs> Gets a proper costume and calls herself Captain Marvel. I'm yes. jumping over about 40 years of comics there, but you you get the gist. Mm. Yes. And they simplified a lot of that and even changed who Marvel was and who Marvel was to her. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a really smart update because mm-hmm. uh, one thing, Captain Marvel does not have a love interest nope. in this film at all. And nor does she really need one for the story. I love that Marvel is a mentor mm-hmm. to her. Yes. And I like that the character that we all assumed was Marvel in the trailers, Jude yes. Law. Um, you can almost even sense in the trailers that there's sort of a snake in the grass there. Mm-hmm. Um, How much of that is just Jude Law? It's, a lot it's of it is probably just it's all, Jude it's, Law. It's Jude Law. Yeah. Sorry, Jude. But. Yeah. Uh. But, however, there was a surprise turn from an actor that is usually a villain that surprised us. I am, let me tell you, that twist where Ben Mendelsohn is actually a good guy, he's just misunderstood. Uh, Oh my, like, I was expecting going into this, you know, like, it's going to be a solid Marvel movie. But that in itself is enough of, like, a mm -hmm. twist for me to, like, say, oh, that's different than what I was expecting. Though I'll say, like... Ben Mendelsohn's character, Talos, 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 yeah. Talos. I think it's Talos. Yeah. Talos, whatever. Uh, he's, and he's only in his, which one, I've almost always only heard him as either like straight-laced American or posh British. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I forget, like he is an Australian actor. Yeah. yeah. And they let him go 
full, like, gruff Australian mm-hmm. voice for this, and it's really good. Absolutely. Because mm-hmm. it's, I was, as I was, like, watching, I was like, every movie I've seen Ben Mendelsohn in, especially because he's always a villain, I've never heard him talk well, in his native accent. And Rogue One, he, like, they, they told him, like, since he was, a, like, a, an outside Imperial, to, like... To he, do that, to do a little bit more, lean more into the to the Australian accent because but you he know, still sounded fairly posh, but like he's still trying, but still in like the the, his, the angry moments, he, he you get yeah. that you get a little bit but, of and like Robin Hood, he's posh British. If you're keen to go out, Leia, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> but yes, it's the first time you see him not in the makeup, and I was like, well, there's the villain because it's played by Ben Mendelsohn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. But, and they even kind of like, they set up fairly early. It's like, he's not who he seems. He's probably the villain. Mm-hmm. And then you end up with, you're going into that scene and you have the confrontation between uh, Talos and Fury and then later Carol. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, okay, well, we've established the dynamic of the movie. And then the movie changes because, and it never really tries to pretend he's not. A bad guy per se, mm-hmm. but it's that he's not the worst enemy in the movie. He, yeah, I think he's just misunderstood, and it, that switch I think takes it to another level of of not. It, it, you could have done a gr- a good, solid, still had those moments that we love with Captain Marvel, where she like gets up and does all that stuff, and you have the big battle at the end where she becomes Captain Marvel and mm-hmm. she rediscovers herself. But I think doing that and, and giving her something to defend and something to actually like, oh, everything I've been taught is wrong and then like protecting uh, the scrolls because the I went into it assuming, okay, the scrolls I, I didn't I had a very limited knowledge of the scrolls in the comics. Yes. So like I was just assuming, okay, scrolls are bad guys. And then this movie was like, nope, scrolls aren't not it's like in Wreck-It yeah. Ralph. Just because we're bad guy doesn't mean we're bad guy. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, in the comics, like the Kree Scroll War was basically it's two big civilizations fighting each other, and they're just like, we don't want to wreck our home planets. Mm-hmm. We'll fight on Earth. Yeah. And so you're just like both sides are awful, mm-hmm. and we're just caught in the crossfire. Mm-hmm. But here there was a bit more nuance to it, and I really yeah. liked that. Do you think anybody else in the Marvel Universe is a scroll, though? I think there's a possibility Nick Fury could be one. I don't know about that. I, I think... Well, if, if, if Talos had died, which, spoiler alert, he doesn't die. <laughs> like, there was one scene... Spoiler where, alert, the villain lives this, through... This, well, villain, villain quote-unquote. Yeah. Well, yeah. actually, no. They, kinda, they both Yeah, they kind of both yeah. live. Yeah, now they that, do. Now yeah. that I'm thinking there about it. There was a moment where, like, after Talos got shot, after they were in the the Mar, uh, uh ship, and, like, they touched, and I'm like, oh, they're definitely gonna... Somebody's gonna become a scroll there. Like that that brief pause, I was like, oh, somebody, Nick Fury Mm -hmm. could be a scroll. Well, I mean, you have, in the comics, you had something called when the scrolls were more. I think if the scrolls had been more villainous, you could assume some of that. There was a comic storyline called Secret Secret Invasion, Invasion, where basically they found out a bunch of people had been replaced by scrolls and they had been changing the world Mm -hmm. and all that stuff. Which I, I assumed, like, this movie would have been, like, okay, somebody just scroll. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is interesting because that nuance in the film does change, I think, the the narrative for 
or the purpose of why a scroll would replace someone, mm -hmm. since they're not just the straight up villains who are trying to take over the world. Um, they may not be taking people in the name of conquest. There may be something else in mind, which makes it, I think, very interesting. Mm -hmm. And they kind of hinted like not every, like every scroll could do it. But not really every scroll can. Because mm -hmm. yeah. he's like, oh, it takes a bit of practice, takes some talent. Mm -hmm. And, you know, yes, we all physically could do this. But a lot of us don't. Yeah. The movie's surprisingly funny, too. Like, it's really funny. It's I, very like, funny. It's further evidence that the trailers really didn't do mm -hmm. it justice. The trailers yeah. are so morose and just kind of mm -hmm. bland. And the movie's hilarious. Absolutely. And, like, it has so much personality and so much fun and mm -hmm. life to it and it just i'm i'm really bummed the marketing was so bad because yeah. i'm worried people won't go to see it i i don't think that'll be a problem but i i, I think people are going to be pleasant as pleasantly surprised as all of us are yeah because like like i said before i was skeptical like just flat out like uh-oh this this doesn't look good i got a bad feeling about this as obi-wan kenobi would say but the relationship between captain marvel and Nick Fury, and then Rambo, and then just kind of the every interaction had meaning to mm -hmm. me, and like they were, it was actually it was really really good dialogue, and it just it felt like just the, some a lot of heart and effort had gone into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And just speaking of of Rambo, Marie Rambo, I really wanted to mention how much I loved the female friendship in this mm -hmm. movie. It's it's really the heart of the film. It's the turning point for Captain Marvel's character. It's her humanity. Exactly. And, you know, even in The Last Jedi, where you have two characters with Rose and Rey, they're not friends. They mm -hmm. never talk. They're not even in a scene yeah. together. They're not even in a scene. Yeah. And Rose is not and then dead. Rose is, <laughs> and Rose, Rose is, is unconscious. <laughs> yes. And it's so rare in this genre of movie. I'm not sure it even really happens in Wonder Woman to have two female characters who have that powerful of friendship. That are related to each other. Yeah, yeah. and it's, it's you that, just don't see that very often, mm -hmm. and it's beautiful, and I love that they did it in this movie. Mm -hmm. This would probably, I think this movie would pass the Bechdel test, wouldn't oh, it? Oh, mm -hmm. definitely, yes. Because yeah. there's multiple conversations like yeah. that. And like, I also love that Marie Rambeau is not there just to reawaken Carol's humanity. She also is there to help save the day. Yes. She's a key yeah. part of saving the day later on mm -hmm. in a scene that is entirely her awesomeness. Yep. Yeah. You know, you keep waiting like, oh, and this time she'll be saved. Nope, she saves herself. Yeah. And, like later, yes, Carol saves her. But like, but like that's when you go full Super Saiyan. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. With the glowing hair that's going up and mm. everything. It's great. <laughs> oh. God. That that scene is amazing. Absolutely. And the buddy cop friendship that blooms between <laughs> Fury and uh, Carol Danvers oh. is delightful. Absolutely. Just from the beginning, I'm so glad that that initial sort of scroll attack happens almost instantly and we don't get them sort of dancing around. Can we trust them? Mm -hmm. Like, 
we're, we're going to have to disagree about things first. No, right from the beginning, we launch straight into the beginnings of their relationship. And I loved that. Me too. Yeah. Me too. I was looking up to see uh, the directors. Uh, it's Anna, Bo- Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck. And neither have done anything huge. Like, they've done some TV episodes, a lot of stuff like that. But, like, it's interesting that they're just like, here's a giant franchise movie, and they knocked it out of the park. You know who else did that? Joe and Anthony Russo. (laughs) Yeah. Joe and Anthony Russo. Taika Waititi only Mm -hmm. had a handful of uh, small movies before this. It's... Marvel has just found a way to be like, you have some talent. If finding good people that know how to tell stories that have a lot of talent... It doesn't matter if you've... Sh- sure, it, it does help to have some of that experience with big movies, but, you know, Ryan Coogler hadn't really worked on anything big. The Russos hadn't really uh, worked on Creed. Anything. I mean, but Creed... <laughs> doing, going from Creed to going from Black Panther. Yeah. Especially the, like, the cultural relevance of that movie now. Oh, yeah. yeah I, and it, it's, uh, like, probably... I would honestly say... Because I think it was phase one they tried to bring in a lot of the bigger known directors, mm-hmm. and some of those are the worst movies. Yeah. Kenneth Branagh. And- <laughs> <laughs> t- okay, so this is this is a story that I, I shouldn't really tell, but you know wh- why not? So Joe Johnson, w- the guy who directed uh, the first Avenger, uh, uh, Captain America: Captain The America First Avenger. Avenger. Yes, he was really heavily involved with George Lucas and the Star in some of the Star Wars production. Okay, mm-hmm. and so. At a previous site I was at, we tried to get him to oh, talk, no. and like he was, he was willing to talk. His publicist, <laughs> we had asked like some basic questions, like you know, we wanted to talk, hear your opinions on, you know, your time at Lucasfilm, <laughs> all that stuff, and we got the nastiest reply I have ever. She's like, "This is Joe. Joe Johnson does not want to enter and put his public opinions out there." And I'm just like, all it is is it's just how was your time working? Every with Star every Wars? question we were, it was like Joe Johnson does not want to answer that question. And but like, <laughs> <laughs> I, and he is not even really a household name. Yeah. Well, but no, honestly, no, no, no. I oh, but like Wait. it's just like every time anybody like, asks. Like, Bill Sheehy does not want you to know his personal opinions <laughs> on anything. But, like, you could look at some of those early movies. It's like, you got Favreau, Kenneth Branagh, Joss Whedon. Like, those are kind of household names even before Marvel. Whedon, maybe not so much. Favreau, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, even if some of it was more of an actor than yeah. director. But, like, I'm sorry, Joe Johnson was not up on that list. Joe Johnson does not want you to know his personal opinions. <laughs> That's too personal of a question. I think it was, like... Super specific, like like just towards Star Wars and working with George Lucas. <laughs> that just makes it scream that he had some terrible stories about George Lucas. To I me, I, I don't blame Joe. I don't blame him. I blame his publicist. <laughs> <laughs> that does make you think. What is he what is hiding? He ha- yeah, yeah. <laughs> Joe Johnson, if you want to come on the pod and just talk, we want to hear your personal opinions, Joe even John- if you don't want to tell. <laughs> Joe Johnson, we want to hear your opinions on Star Wars. <laughs> Well, speaking of wars among the stars, um, (laughs) seamless transition. (laughs) Woohoo! One thing I wanted to mention too is not only did the trailers kind of belie how funny this movie is, it also did no justice to the fact of how epic this movie is. And and I'll say, even when you're like, 
even when her character is at its least interesting there at the beginning, the visuals are blowing your mind. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're on Cree, their homeworld Hala. Yeah. And you're seeing all kinds of their crazy technology and cool stuff like the Supreme Intelligence. Yeah. Which they... I'm so glad it's an AI and not yeah. a giant floating head in a tube. I am so I was, happy. I was wondering if towards the end when she like re-encounters it and it's starting to like break out, if we would briefly see its real face and it'd be a giant floating head Jeez. in a jar. But Marvel's smarter than that. Yes. But... <laughs> um, And then you have like, they go to Torfa and it's a cool... It's a cool set piece. And so it's like, even when you're like, okay, I'm not entirely sold on this character yet, you have, but this is stylish and cool, and yeah. I'm on board for that. Yeah. And then, like, you immediately go from Torfa to you start delving into her memories, and she's on Earth. And then that's when you just, re- I, that's when I personally was like, I am really interested in Carol mm-hmm. Danvers. Yeah. Or at that point, in Veers. In Veers, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I did, like, in, I know I, we've, kind of shat on the like first 30 minutes but like the it's not bad it's not bad no yeah, no no, no, no i i enjoy like the scroll aspect where like the shape-shifting stuff coming into it i was like mm-hmm. oh that's really really cool i want to yeah. see more of that yeah and it makes the scrolls more threatening mm-hmm. because they could be anybody and it's very frightening when they're just popping out of everywhere mm-hmm. and it and it sets you up to think these are really terrible villains which mm-hmm. makes that twist Especially with Ben Mendelsohn, all all the better later on. I don't think on. I've ever like seen a movie where Ben Mendelsohn was like able to be funny and nice the entire. And he's hilarious. Yeah, he is. Like, and, and even like in interviews I've heard with him, like uh, with he did an interview with Steel Saunders from Steel Wars. Yeah, and he. If you guys yeah. know who that is, but um, he's really really funny. It just like so mm-hmm. him able to finally like puts more of his personality into a character. Like, I think yeah. is great. It's one of those things of. I'd be almost interested in seeing more of that character. Yeah, me too. Yeah, and show up in Endgame. Why not? Oh, that would be heartbreaking if they showed the scrolls in Endgame and like yes. what happened in the snap. Because oh, oh now gosh. that would be an interesting one for actually that would be a really interesting way to do it because they made you care about a lot mm-hmm. of them and it'd be a way to be like, look, this is affecting more than just Earth. And oh no, yeah, like so, Captain Marvel's introduction in Endgame could be like she's helping the scrolls move. Yeah, she and then like <laughs> it makes it sound like she's just and she's know, just like, like I know you gotta what find you a good mean. you gotta find a good friend to, I, to help you from planet to planet, man. Yeah. Of like she's like guiding them through light speed mm-hmm. as they find their new home. But like it's also the thing of she's it sounds like boxes. it sounds like yes. she's just carrying a couch yeah. in for them. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, we can't pay you in money. Easily. <laughs> we can't pay you in money, but we can pay you in pizza. The pizza never shows up. You yeah. have bologna sandwiches with mustard and a little bit of water. There's yeah. some there's some Gatorade there's, in the yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> just but not enough. Like yeah. just for one person. Which by the way, there's one thing about the final fight on, on Marvel's ship. Um, in in that final sort of fight with the the Kree mini boss squad, um, was <laughs> the cannon fodder squad. Yeah. Yes, Sorry. yes, Star Force. Oh, yes, was... of which like the weird thing with Star Force is there's like one who you know survives. Mm. Though yes, I'm not entirely sure how. It sure looked like he got blown the hell up. <laughs> Um, did he get blown up? Where did he go? Didn't no. I guess you're right. That ship didn't explode. But he just he was va- still on the ship. He yeah. vanishes at some point in that. Well, I mean, movie. it's it, Ronan the Accuser is there. So I mean, M- yeah, maybe he got on that ship. But, yeah, yeah. yeah the, uh, Corinth, the pursuer, uh, the guy who is in the first Guardians movie, 
and is the Star Lord and who? Yeah, because you could even like the one scene where you had uh, Yonrog and him in it, and he was talking to Ronan. You could see the beginnings of him wanting to join yes. Ronan because he was like he was listening to Yonrog and was like, "That's not what was happening." But like, yeah, he, he clearly wanted to kind of side with Ronan. Mm-hmm. But still a, was technically part of Star That's Force. a nice little touch, too. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. con- connecting to all uh-huh. the other Marvel movies. But I, I really liked in that final little fight, she had the same feel as I think in the Shazam trailer where she would suddenly realize, hey, I'm invulnerable now. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, I can lift a, a ping like I can lift a ping pong machine now. Like I I, I can I, I had that thought. When she sort of figures out how she can fly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is, and Beth, correct me if I'm wrong, that's ripped from the Kelly Sue DeConnick one, right? I um, think so, yes. That, or it's a similar moment. Because there, yeah. there's a thing in there where Ka- uh, Carol is doing inner narration. She says she likes to fly up to the edge of the atmosphere and let herself fall. And mm-hmm. basically kind of close her eyes and just try to feel. Yes. Uh, like feel when she needs to kick into high gear and fly away. Because it's like, it's one of the only ways, if she's nearly indestructible and super powerful, it's like the biggest rush she can get. Yeah. And it's because she misses the rush she had when she was flying jets without superpowers. Mm. And so they kind of do that again of like Carol Danvers is falling Mm -hmm. and she just kind of closes her eyes and lets herself fall and then it just clicks again and Mm. she takes off and it's awesome. There was one point in the final battle or final whatever where I was just thinking to myself, oh, Thanos is fucked. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, like, it is very clear that she is stronger than anyone else in the Marvel mm. Universe. Yep. Yeah. Because she is... She takes out an entire fleet mm-hmm. by herself. Without even really trying. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You never get the feeling that she's, like, overexerting herself at all. Yeah, because it's the thing is, you have all the accusers... There's a bunch of accusers who show up to bomb planet Earth. You have their ships there, and this is the ship that, like, you've seen an entire Ravager force try to fight and stuff. All and the Nova Corps try to the fight. All the Nova Corps. And, like, she just busts through it like it's paper mache. Basically. And, yeah. like, and just effortlessly blows it up and then basically stands in front of them or floats in front of them. It's just like, look, do you guys just want to run or do you want to, like, get destroyed? And, like... Ronan the Accuser goes, I've got another movie to be in in about 20 years. I better go. (laughs) I loved Ronan's sort of line there where he wants to be dignified, but he's like, we shall leave. Yeah. Like, you know, we, we we'll, will but we'll, we'll be back, yeah. ma'am. But we <laughs> shall leave. But we're not we're, Ronan was not back. He loses leaving. in a dance off. Yes. We're for leaving the universe. Yeah, it's like we're not leaving because you told us to. <laughs> yeah. We're leaving <laughs> by our own choice and we'll come back. They, Just we gotta go pick up Doug from soccer practice. <laughs> then once Doug's with us, you're gonna see it'll oh, all wait, be what's different. That? What's that? Doug's Doug's sick? Well, when Doug feels better in <laughs> you've 35 not, years, you've not you'll met, be sorry. You've not, you'll be sorry. You have not met the power of Doug yet. Yes. <laughs> uh, so... <laughs> that, like, seeing that, there was there was a... Something came out of the inve- Disney investors call today. They uh, showed a scene from... Uh, was it just as interesting as last time? It was more. They actually, the one that like wasn't rumored to have anything, like had the most information. And so they, uh, a description of a scene came out, and like Captain Marvel's involved in it, 
and they're talking about like we're gonna beat Thanos or how are we gonna beat Thanos with uh, how are we gonna beat Thanos this time? And she's like, well, you, you have me now. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, yeah, <laughs> I yeah. get it. I hundred percent get it. Well, like, and I got the sense that during that battle in Wakanda, like that wouldn't have even been a battle if she'd been no. there. Like it's and and I remember seeing in an interview that the Russo brothers were a little worried about having her in scenes just because she is so powerful Mm -hmm. that she kind of deflates the tension. But I think that, you know, the stakes are so high, I don't think that will be a problem. Yes, and I think also the idea is with a full Infinity Gauntlet, Thanos is kind of at least an equal, if not still even greater threat. Yeah. Because the Infinity Gauntlet can do anything. Yes. But I remember like having, I remember saying, I think on the podcast before when we were like, oh, who could defeat Thanos? I was like, well, Captain Marvel and probably even like, you know, Thor now that he's got the hammer. And after watching this, I'm like, there is just like a galaxy's difference between (laughs) Thor's power and hers. And it will be hilarious when they have to interact. Well, my, my question is, is that if she's that powerful and what, what what's Thanos got? <laughs> like what? Well, no, he still has the infinity gauntlet, but still like, but the infinity gauntlet is he, basically whatever it needs to be. True. But like you, the look, ultimate you look at infinity war when like Thor threw his ax, he couldn't like the infinity gauntlet couldn't take whatever was getting yeah. thrown at it. So if Captain Marvel comes in, it's just like, pew, pew. But I think the also and that's the official of, noise yeah. that her that her yes. Yes. yes yes I think also some a lot of the tension for Endgame is going to be can we reverse this yeah and so it will be like well we could go and just kill Thanos but then where does that leave mm-hmm. us and it's going to be more probably emotional tension than yeah I will say this this could be problematic for future storylines because she is crazy powerful yep in the movie it felt so earned because like she built up she built up to it and then you're just like yeah she's like she's unstoppable by the end of the movie but it's fine Mm -hmm. because like she worked so hard to kind of get there Mm -hmm. yes she had to find who she was and just oh she had to go on her journey to become Captain Marvel. To become Indiana Jones in that yes. last in that last <laughs> that scene was, of Jude Law. God, God bless Jude Law because that was you. That I knew, was hilarious. I knew it was coming because like one, you have to prove that you can beat me with this and no powers, and she's just like like Indiana Jones and. Yeah. He's, he's just like the biker dude, but at the end of the movie, he's not even worth her time and no. effort. I've got so nothing to prove to you. And and he but he the interesting thing is, like the biker dude, he feels like he is. And so he's just like he's like, Oh, you've made me so proud, look at how you've done. But you know, I you'll never truly be in control of yourself until you can beat me without your powers. So let's fight without your head. She's like, bless him. Yeah. It's like, no, she's good. It's not she quite dance off, bro, but it but it is it's fairly similar. And I love the moment when he gets out of the ship. He has just watched her destroy the entire fleet. And he pulls out his gun. I was like, what's that what going to do? Like, <laughs> pulls out his tiny little space pistol. <laughs> uh, so it's... I, I, I will also say, I love that the Star Force, they were all clearly like, this is the specialist who has this as their crazy p- cool power. And this is their... But then they all, even early on, they all pale in comparison to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, they all have just gadgets that give them niche whatever. Corinth yeah. has swords. Minerva has, like... Is it Corinth or Korvath? Uh, Korath. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cor- 
or Korra? Korra Vath? Is it Korra The Legend Vath? of Korra. In the Legend of... Yeah. Oh, sorry. For, 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 hold on. Korath. Okay. Korath, okay. I, I didn't want, like, a, a bunch of people on <laughs> Twitter being like, his name's not Korath. Um, actually. <laughs> yeah. um, actually. But, like, Minerva is, like, clearly like, oh, she's a great sniper, and she's got a sniper rifle that can somehow chain shots and, like, yes. boun- bounce them all around. And it's like, then you had that other dude who had, like, two guns. And the other dude who just had like arm shields. I've got yeah. arms. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, and then like Jude Law had his weird telekinetic, I can like lift and throw stuff things. Yeah. And like, but they're all like, these are gadgets to do small, slightly better things than what you could do as a normal person. That, and it's like, what about her? She can shoot lasers out and, like, is super strong. That Cree with the, the man bun and the beard definitely has an artisanal brewery. He's, he's gonna tell you about. He has some wonderful IPAs. You should try. You should try his pale ale during the summer. Yes. Just during, yes. It's a seasonal ale. Wonderful. Yeah. It's just so... Halib, uh, what, HPA? Halapaleo? Yeah. Halapaleo. Uh, HPA sounds like a disease. Oh, you hey, got HPA. Guys, I do want to point out, we are neglecting the, the best and most powerful character in this movie. We have not talked about him at all. And, of course, that is Goose, who in mm-hmm. the comics is known as Chewie. Yes. Um, that is Captain reason. Marvel's cat. Uh-huh. Um, which as, as the university well. as as the University of Kentucky in 1978 when we won the national championship, Goose was golden. Goose, Goose was, was golden. golden. He's very well used in this film, and he's very important to the plot. Actually, he it's and, surprisingly important. Goose is like I feel like it's one of those things of it could have. They could have used him too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they could have leaned on him too much. Yeah, and they could have overdone it. With some parts, yes, uh, but they didn't, and it was wonderful. Uh, and you say Goose is a cat, Beth? It, he is a flurkin. So a flurkin is, a is um is a type of alien, and uh, and but he's just even as an alien, he's just so cute. He is. He's- He's got, imagine a cat's body, but like, remember from The Force Awakens, the Rathtars that Yes, are, yes. It's like if a Rathtar and a cat, yeah, you know. But, and most of the time he just looks like a cat. And yeah. then occasionally he, his face turns into a Rathtar. Mm-hmm. And like, it's funny because like they did a thing of, in the comics he was always considered just a cat. Until I think Captain Marvel met Rocket. And yes. then Rocket Raccoon never liked him, which Rocket never liked Cosmo because raccoons and dogs don't get along. So yeah. they thought, oh, you just don't like cats. And he's like, that's not a cat. That's a flurk. He's like, you should get rid of that. That thing's dangerous. Yeah. And, and they're told that like by the scrolls immediately and then they like Cree scan him and they're like, oh, it's a flurk and we need to like isolate yeah. it. But and you you are just like it's just a cat until suddenly you're like it's not That's just a cat not a cat not a cat not yeah. a cat not a cat <laughs> what do we think about uh the tesseract being uh involved in the movie i think it's a, it, i think it's a really really cool uh i think it's a cool point that the two most powerful characters that we've seen in infinity war and captain marvel mm-hmm. captain marvel got her powers based off something that was created through the tesseract uh-huh. mm-hmm. and then scarlet witch got her powers yeah. by being influenced and by being experimented on with the mind stone so yeah. the infinity stones mm-hmm. are g- helping give their and, powers and i would argue 
the most powerful person you run into in Infinity War was definitely getting his power from the Infinity yep, Stones. Yeah, I absolutely. mean, he was powerful beforehand, but with it, he's unstoppable. But could he beat Bane? That's the real question. I will let you take control of your I, universe. I, <laughs> a, a purple ash. And it's, for a second it threw me because I was like, well, didn't they recover the stone? But then you're like, okay, but they were working on this with like this secret shield project. So, of course, like the Tesseract goes from Howard Stark finding it while he's searching for Captain America to, okay, it goes into shield storage. Then it goes into a project. And then it goes back eventually into shield storage mm-hmm. um, after some regurgitation by one flurkin. And if you look at Nick Fury's computer, that is years later mm-hmm. that yes. he does that. There years has been a later. significant technology change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I guess digestive process on a flurkin. Yeah, well, I had to, I guess, get through those dudes first. It's true. Yeah, um, that's true. But Well, it's never fully digested, thank goodness. Mm-hmm. I would imagine the Tesseract would be hard to digest. Yeah, it, it's, uh, yeah, uh, but uh, it's, that would not come out. There. And it's, and yeah. it's interesting because then you know, could Goose eat the Infinity Gauntlet? That's how. That's they beat the end Thanos. of Endgame. But here's the thing: so, what's a flurkin lifespan? <laughs> yeah, I know. What kind of a question? There is, is that? a there is a great because <laughs> I'm wondering: is Goose still around? Okay, so it it I'm looked Googling like. This. It looks like between when we saw Flurkin in the photos in the flashbacks and when we see him like six years later, you would anticipate aging by then on a cat and we don't see it. And when we see him on Nick Fury's desk, he still doesn't. He looks in the prime of his life. So I would assume a Flurkin lives longer than a cat. Do we think Goose appears in Endgame? That's how they beat Thanos. I'd yes. say yes. Yeah. I think a minor like and, cameo. Yeah. And it, it's and like I love like there's all kinds of moments where Goose still acts a lot like a cat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um there's though there's one that's sold for an interesting twist of because they kind of use Goose as a weapon while like yes. Nick Fury and uh Maria Rambo are escaping with trying to get some scrolls out from uh Marvel's ship. And there are a bunch of Kree that stop them, and Nick Fury's like, oh, come on, get him, get him, Goose. And Goose just basically drops to the ground and then just, like, starts rubbing on the leg of one of the Kree soldiers. And you're like, oh, jeez, he's a cat. He's just like, I, but, I smell truth. And then, like, it's revealed, oh, no, that's Talos. That's great. And, I thought yeah. that was wonderful. And it's like, Goose recognized this is a friend, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to eat him. Yes. <laughs> get he won't always not turn on his friends, as we find... Do we want to go ahead and say that? I mean, we're already full spoilers. Uh-huh. Scrolls are friends, not food, is what we're um, trying to say. And Nick Fury, throughout the whole movie, it's in one of the last trailers they showed that he really seems to love the cat. Uh-huh. And yeah. he loves the cat, especially as he learns how dangerous the cat is. And granted, even after what happens, he keeps the cat around for a long time. Now, in my favorite superhero film winter soldier there's a wonderful moment where nick fury says the last time i trusted someone i lost an eye you find out who that someone was and it's It's goose the cat because he's playing with him he's like who's a good cat who's a good cat who's a good cat and he scratches him right in the eye 
And they'd done a few things where he'd get injured, and he'd have, like, there's a point early on where he's like, an, how's ice, your eye? an ice bag over his eye, and they're like, oh, how's your eye? And he pulls the ice bag off, and it's fine. He goes, ah, still fine. Goose just scratches him, and they're like, oh, fine. He goes, ah, it's fine, it's fine, it'll heal. Look, Talos just goes like, oh, no, it won't. <laughs> yeah. and, like, it's very, so he lost his eye because of Goose the Cat, though he so, tells them, clearly the story gets around S.H.I.E.L.D., that the Cree were trying to interrogate him. So he lost an eye to the Cree, but he would not give yeah. up the information. He, he lost an eye to the Cree <laughs> and of still Nick Fury didn't break. Grows. <laughs> yeah. And you find that out because Coulson visits him in his office. And I'm gonna go ahead, I think we mention now going back a bit to a point when uh Ben Mendelssohn basically tries to turn all of Shield's resources against Nick Fury, mm -hmm. but Nick Fury is smart enough to realize something is off with the director of S.H.I.E.L.D., mm -hmm. and so he takes steps to try to help Carol Danvers escape, and you get a wonderful moment. You meet Phil Coulson early on. He's a rookie. This seems like it's his first job. A 55-year-old rookie. Yeah. yeah. He's starting late in life, yeah. but him and his hairpiece, it's their first job, <laughs> and he clearly likes Nick Fury, he clearly kind of trusts him a bit and respects him, and there's a moment where Nick Fury, Carol Danvers, are trying to escape a place. Coulson comes down the stairs, and he and this other agent are looking for them, and they just make eye contact, and you hear the agent basically say, like, Have, you know, any sign of them down there? And he goes, no, they're not down here, and just lets them escape. Mm. They meant, They talk about that later on, and you even get the feeling, like, that's the start, that's the, the moment where, yeah. Fury, where Fury went, this is my guy. Yep. And so you can see, like, oh, well, when he became director, of course, Coulson's, like, one of his top people. Yep. Yeah. Because Coulson has good judgment. And that's also a big moment for Carol, uh, because that's when she sees somebody else acting impulsively and emotionally like she always has. And it's she finds out it's a human thing as she yeah. is human, so that's a turning point for her. Because that's also right after she kind of has the revelation that she was not born Cree, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, or at least evidence pointed to that fact that she wasn't born Cree early on, and then later that's confirmed. And mm -hmm. I like that she did not resist that too much. Like when she started seeing evidence that she was born on Earth. You know, she seems to sort of cave when when Jude Law's character, I, I cannot remember the name. Yon Rog. Yon Rog. It's a bad name. Yeah. When he, I guess Marvel was taken, they, they couldn't think of anything else. Um, but um, I keep wanting to call him Yon Rag. And um, he's, um, but like she she accepts pretty readily that that she had a life on Earth, mm -hmm. and I liked that. Me too. <laughs> I'm sorry, I was looking at some of the other names of the Cree, and it's just like Bronchar, Atlas, Atlas, Atlas Min so Irva, nice, nice Roman god names yeah. there. Solar, Norex. Is Bronchar our artisanal beer guy? I believe Bronchar, which is his real name, could also have been a Cree name. Rune Timti. Rune Timti. Yeah, there oh, he okay, is. Yeah, yeah. That is that is an artisanal beer brewer if I've ever seen. One. <laughs> and of course, his name would be Bronchar. <laughs> Bronchar Bruce. Bron 
There you go. There's the business. There's yes. the business. Excuse me. I need to go. Uh, I need to briefly copyright something mm-hmm. for my retirement purposes. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about early on, Beth, where you said that the moment of her standing up, mm-hmm. you thought the fact that was in all the commercials kind of made that moment less powerful. Let's talk about that moment. Yeah, there were a lot of things that I really deeply loved. Like, I, I think that you can appreciate it as a man or a woman, but as a woman, there mm-hmm. were several moments that I just really loved, and one of them was the biker guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the other was her Super Saiyan moment, because it's, it's just cool seeing a powerful woman kicking butt Absolutely. up there. And, mm-hmm. But I did love that scene, and even though I felt like it was less effective for us knowing all that, mm-hmm. In advance, it still was effective. Mm -hmm. And it was great to see her after being told so often, you're not cut out for this, that she kept thinking, no, I am. I am cut out for this, and I'm going to keep getting up. And that's when she has that moment where she realizes, I can get up again now, and this AI is not going to stop mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Annette Benning is not going to stop and it's me. A, you can quote me on this. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and it's an interesting thing because the way they do the supreme intelligence, since it's not a giant green head in a floating jar, um, is the supreme intelligence is an AI, and when you connect to it, it takes the form of the person you most respect. And even when she has amnesia and doesn't know who she is, it still always takes Annette Benning's form. And you find out later this is her... This was her hero, this was her mentor, this was Marvell who helped give her purpose and give her a chance to fly and a chance to stand on her own two feet. And so then you just have this ultimate version of the Cree evil taking the face of her hero. Mm. And she's standing up against that. Yeah. And against that perversion of her hero's memory. And I really I liked that mm-hmm. mechanic. And that was also a great frame because ultimately this was about her reclaiming the narrative of her life because uh, her very being has been stolen from her. And uh, and she's taking back her story and mm-hmm. taking back her life from these people and taking back her idol, her hero, who is uh, loosely based on um, a character that I believe Kelly Sue DeConnick created in the comics um, that was Helen, yes, who was a, I think, pilot mm-hmm. in the sort of World War II era that that uh, Carol really looked up to in the comics. Yeah. She was one of the only female pilots in, like, World War II yeah. and was, like, a huge inspiration for her. And let's, I mean, later they get into dumb time travel stuff yeah. with her character. But they... Loosely based, I think, mainly the look of Annette Benning off her, and yes. then gave her a lot of Marvel's actual characteristics. Right. Yeah, and made a much better version of Marvel. Yeah, and going off your point about her finally, you know, taking that mantle, reclaiming that. Yeah, throughout the, like that entire part where she was in the Supreme Intelligence, mm-hmm. they were telling her, "You're nothing without." Yeah. Yeah. You, you, yeah. You're not complete without us. And her finally just like breaking it, being yeah. powerful enough to break through it, and then finally fully like become Carol Danvers to become yeah. Captain Marvel. Even seeing it in the in the trailers, I still like I got a, I got chills just because yeah. like yeah, it's such a yeah. you seeing the, the visuals of, of her continuing to fall. Mm-hmm. You've seen that all throughout the movie. Then seeing 
you know, her finally getting back up in each time. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so it's just it's just another example of her falling and, and then getting back chip, up. And that chip, that chip that they put on her neck. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they tell her that that is meant to help her. They're helping her mm-hmm. to control her powers because she can't do it on her own. And I, I love that she is freeing herself in that moment. And you realize that she is capable of so much more without this chain around her neck. And, um, and so we, we've had a lot of women in history who have been told that they can't, um, they can't do something. And then uh, we find out that they really, uh, when, when they're free to, to try something on their own, they, mm-hmm. they really shine and can, can do amazing things. And, I can't believe that that's like now a political statement mm, and not just a yeah. statement of fact, but it's like, yeah. but I, I, I really loved that metaphor, mm. but it was subtle enough that um, I, I don't think it, it took away from anything, but mm-hmm. it was very empowering to see. Mm-hmm. Let's see. I know one, it's getting a little late and two, yes. we're into about an hour of this mm-hmm. podcast. So we might want to look into wrapping up. Uh, I think we got to talk about. I, yes, uh, I was gonna do uh, sort of a go round of like basically everyone throw out some of their favorite moments, and I was going to talk about I think what you're gonna talk about. But if you want to start with that, I you know we have two things I want to I want to talk about. One, starting the movie off with the Stanley oh. MCU like <laughs> traditional opening. You're like, oh, I am two minutes into this and I'm already crying. So great. So. <laughs> Uh, this is the first Marvel proper movie mm-hmm. since the passing of Stanley. Mm-hmm. You've had Venom, which did a little thing I'm, for you. Him. You said that wrong. It's Venom. I know. Was Venom? Then Once Upon a Deadpool. Venom. Then Once Upon. Oh no, wait, no, 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 no Venom. He, Venom he, he was, was still, before. He was still Venom alive. Was before. Yeah. It was uh, so. It was Once, Once Upon, Upon a Deadpool, Deadpool into the Spider Verse. Um, but this is the first Marvel Studios one, mm-hmm. and they have for Marvel Studios. They've had it since Ragnarok, maybe mm-hmm. this big it's been... bombastic. Well, it's always been there, but they. I think for Ragnarok, gotcha. they yeah, made yeah, it yeah. extra long. Yeah, this big bombastic. It goes on Forever. for a while, Forever. Yes. open, and yes. it's all these scenes from the movies, and mm-hmm. there's actually pages of scripting worked in there, and it it looks very cool. They have changed that. It's, and I'm willing to bet it will stay changed for the rest of the year. Yeah. Uh, definitely through Endgame. Mm-hmm. It is now all the appearances of Stan Lee. I think you had. And, and his cameo in it was so great, too. I his, completely... Oh. His cameo in the movie is phenomenal. He's one of the people on, on the, the train. train. And he's reading the... Oh, and, and I can't wait to see Kevin Smith's reaction to, to it. Oh. Because... He, like hearing uh, when Stanley died, Kevin Smith did a special podcast of Fat Man on Batman, which is his pod, mm-hmm. where he talked about him being in that movie mm-hmm. and like how they became friends and how he became kind of a mentor to him. And so for him to read that on like some yeah, I think you might have cut off before he said he's reading the, the Mall, Mall Rats. Rats. He's reading the script for Mall yeah. Rats. Yes, yeah. and and there's a moment of like because she's looking for who the scroll is on the train and she pulls down the book and they just kind of share a look and a smile and then they carry on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Wonderful. But yeah, the opening to it is just, sta- it's the same Marvel thing except it's all the footage, all the shots, everything from the previous movies is just Stan Lee. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. And then it sort of basically says, you know, in your memory, Stan, or something mm-hmm. along those lines. Thank you. I think it was thank it was you, thank you, Stan. Thank you, Stan. Yeah. Uh, and then there was a brief moment, and someone in our theater said, "I'm crying <laughs> already." <laughs> yes. <laughs> and everyone got a good laugh, which well, helped. In Infinity War, it took two and a half hours. Well, Captain Marvel, two and a half minutes. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's a long intro. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but, uh, and I think, like, that was the perfect way to start it. And, like, I just, I, I think I've said before, I've definitely said on Twitter, I think I've said in the pocket, like, he meant a lot to me. Mm-hmm. And it hits me, it hit me again in the Oscars, watching the In Memoriam. Yeah. It hit me this time, and it just, I, seeing them do that was very nice. It was very nice. And it yeah. was very special. Absolutely. Um, um, I, I and, completely agree. Yeah, we we had to bring that up. I was trying yeah. to figure out when the time I'm was. Bring, yeah, but <laughs> this is now the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in terms of favorite moments in the movie, uh, my favorite moment personally was uh, her like finally <laughs> destroying the Kree ship. Uh, you know, you finally going full Super Saiyan and yeah. becoming Carol Danvers. And then second favorite, it's end credits. <laughs> Yeah, we'll we'll talk. Uh, we'll go once round and okay. then do end credits. Yeah, go ahead. Right, so mine is less a moment and more. I really loved the way that Carol was shot throughout mm-hmm. the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the way that the the camera treated her because you saw this in Wonder Woman some, but um, the the fact that we were not looking up from the ground behind Captain Marvel up at mm-hmm. her body. Or sort of like focusing solely on her chest. There was nothing or super hypersexualized. No, about no. And she was just a person, and she was shot in the same way any other hero would be shot. And I really loved mm-hmm. that, especially in those final action sequences, because when you don't have that burdening the way that you're shooting the character, everything was just so fluid and awesome. Mm-hmm. And she was just rocking it, and I loved it. One other thing is, like, her costume, while, yes, it's, like, form-fitting, it's body armor form-fitting. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's the same... It's not skimpy swimsuit. No. It it's, looks like it would be comfortable, yeah, actually. Yeah, so. and it's it's the same suit everyone in the Star Force wore, just she changes her colors on it. Yeah. Um, or technically, she has uh, Monica Rambeau yeah. change her colors on it. Lots but, of fun Easter eggs when that is happening, too. Yes. <laughs> it is filled with a lot of fun Easter eggs, including some really, really fun Captain Marvel Easter eggs. Probably my favorite moment that we haven't already mentioned, just so, because, I, I mean, it's it, it'll be Super Saiyan anyway, because mm-hmm. it's really good. <laughs> but one of the moments that got me is you had already kind of heard the, the sob story of the scrolls, and you were like, okay, he's not all bad, but... You still aren't quite sure, well, can I trust this person? Can I not? They get to Marvel's secret base. It's been cloaked in orbit of Earth, which is a wonderful scene of like, he had a science, a so called great science guy in his thing, and his science guy had figured out the coordinates were orbital coordinates. Yeah. But just like Nick Fury, Maria Ram- Marie Rambeau, and Carol Danvers all figured it out instantly. Yeah. But they get there. And they're looking at it, and she has, and like Marvel had all these weird like pinball machines and all these pop culture things, and they're like, well, why would she have this if she was just developing like light speed? Yeah. And if she was just developing this, and they see this cup of coffee or tea yeah, or something, and it's still hot. 
And they go, oh, we're not alone. And you're like, oh no, is this all some elaborate trick? Are the scrolls still really Is Marvel still alive? Is Marvel still alive? Because you kind of hear that she died, and you you see it in a memory, but you don't know how much of Carol's memories you can even still trust. Mm -hmm. Though that sequence is brilliant. Oh, yes. Uh, Because that also shows her skill as a a pilot even Mm -hmm. before all the powers. It's the one that reveals Yon-Rog is the, the, bad guy. the bad guy. But it cuts to Talos, and he just starts this wail mm-hmm. across the station, and you just see all these scrolls mm-hmm. come out. And they've been hiding there. Mm-hmm. And they've been living in secret there. And you find out, like, his, I guess, wife is there, and his child is there. Mm-hmm. And this was why he was really looking for mm-hmm. the base. Yeah. Yes, they need the light speed tech to find their new home, but it's a very personal reason. Yeah. And it's also a moment of Carol looking at them and kind of realizing then the effect that this war has had. Yeah. And she mm-hmm. and like and they don't make light out of uh what Talos has also done. Because mm-hmm. she's like, oh, I'm so sorry, I didn't know. And he just kind of gives her a smirk. And he's like, I've done terrible things for a cause and for this war. He goes, mm-hmm. he's like, you're not the only soldier with dirty hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sort of it was a, yes, we've both made, we've done terrible things and we've made terrible mistakes. Mm-hmm. What matters now is what we do next. That was a cementing moment. We're like, okay, yeah. these, yeah. Are, these are good guys. Like, I've, and, and that gives her... What she's defending. Yeah, that um, establishes the stakes. And I love, as awesome as her destroying the fleet is, and as awesome as her destroying the mini boss squad is. Yes. Um, it's, it's. I mean, it's what it is. Yeah. Like, I love that the final stakes are she is saving somebody, mm-hmm. not just destroying something, she's saving someone. Yep. And, uh,. She she is throughout the movie inspiring the people around her, and you yeah. find out she even inspired uh, Marie Rambeau and Monica Rambeau before she yeah. even had powers. And a cool example of that is uh, at the very end, you see Nick Fury, um, <laughs> which Coulson gives him like a case full of fake eyes he could have. But Nick Fury is drafting on, I don't know, WordPad 95. Yeah, it was the uh, Microsoft <laughs> Word 95. The yeah. Protector's Initiative. Yeah, the Protector yeah. Initiative. Yeah. And he he has uh, the file that they built, and he finds an old photo. So I guess now he has the unredacted mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. files. files. For, yeah. And he finds an old photo of Carol Danvers getting in her jet. And it has, because all pilots get like code names yeah i think they showed in some pictures and maybe in a shot yeah. that like uh rambo's was photon mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. which is another fun easter egg yeah and hers which you would almost expect it to be like oh it's marvel or something mm-hmm. hers is avenger and so the name of the the moment of i'd like to talk to you about the avenger avengers initiative it's captain it's it's the carol danvers <laughs> And yeah. he's looking for people like people. her. He, and he's yeah. not just looking for That's so good. And yeah. like when he mentions that, Colson's like, oh, more weapons. And he goes, No, more, more heroes. heroes. Because he realized it's not just what made her who she was wasn't her powers, it was her determination. Mm-hmm. And that brings us to the end credit scene. Well, oh. the, the first of two. Mm-hmm. 
The second one we can we've already basically hinted at. Yeah. Goose coughs up the tesseract right on Nick Fury's desk. <laughs> right on Nick Fury's desk. And doesn't get it the first time either because it's still it's basically a, it's a, a long, cat. a long regret. If you've owned, I was, I was if you've actually, ever owned a cat, that is exactly how they yeah. cough up mm-hmm. hairballs. I was like, actually, <laughs> I was actually wondering if he wasn't going to cough it up because, like, for the when we had a cat, yeah, uh, and we've had various cats growing up, yeah, like it was always like. Huh. Uh, I'm just kidding. And then like, walk away, and you're just like, ah. <laughs> but like, no, it, it, it got it up. And but, then licking the paw afterwards. Like, I'm still dainty. I'm still yeah. a cat. It's just I'm a lady. Yeah. But uh, the first cred- post-credit scene is, I am guessing, a scene ripped straight from Endgame. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it is, you have Captain America, Black Widow, War mm-hmm. Machine, and Banner all... In the Avengers mansion, or and, Avengers, and Captain do? America still has the zaddy beard. Captain America yeah. still has the, look slightly more trimmed. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I mean, now that he's got a sink nearby, I mean, it's, I, it's, I guess yeah. it's like it looked a bit better groomed. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're they're trying to figure stuff out. He's looking at numbers, and like Black Widow basically comes in and says that thing stopped, or that thing has. That or, it was, or, it no, was, War Machine comes in and says that thing stopped. And it's, the, and it's the beeper from... Yeah. yeah. And it's the pager. So they've clearly found Nick, Nick Fury's, Fury's pager, pager, which they show her giving it to him. And she basically tells him, only for emergencies. Mm-hmm. Like, only for... Don't just call to chat. Like, yeah. only for emergencies. Like, when you, when this goes off, I'm coming running and you, you better mm-hmm. need yep. me. Yeah. So what happens is they get there... And like Banner's like, yeah, it just it was sending a signal. We were getting something back, and then the transmission just stopped. Mm-hmm. And they go, well, I thought we, you know, bypassed the power supply for it, and like had plugged it into something else. And they're like, no, no, it's still getting power. The transmission just stopped. And they're like, okay, well, restart it and resend the transmission. And they're just like, well, we don't even know what Ooh, this, this is, is calling. Mm-hmm. We don't even know that. Like, and he, and it's like, well, it mattered to Fury. And so they're just they're debating whether to restart it, and the Suddenly you, you turn around and you there's... turn around and she's standing behind them. Yeah. And she just says, where is Fury? Fury? And then it just cuts. Yeah. And it just cuts. And it's she is. And they're in like the heart of the mm-hmm. Avengers mansion there. Yeah. And so she just gets there without any of them noticing. Yeah. Mm. And that is and they are just in a, obviously a very dark point. My favorite line in that is when Black Widow says my nightmares are are better than mm-hmm. this. And, um, but this is the return of hope. Mm-hmm. This is mm-hmm. the return of the fighting chance. So. Yes. It's and just wonderful, man. I know they've hinted like the trailers for Endgame are all from the first 15 minutes. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if this scene's also from the first 15 mm-hmm. minutes. Yeah. It was so cool. Getting any kind of significant sneak peek into Endgame. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Oh. And we have to talk about the kid behind us and what they said. So, <laughs> right when that happened, this kid behind us, as soon as that scene ends, goes, Wait, she's real? <laughs> yes, and, little girl, she's real. Run home and tell your mother. She's and, real. And it's, it's it was just a cute moment because it's like, I love all these characters and I thought she was cool. And they're coming together. Oh, she's here. And I like that, you know, these kids have grown up in a world with Captain America. And I like the implication that 
Well, Captain America, Black Widow, and the Hulk, these people are all obviously real. <laughs> yeah. So if but she like, met them, Ca- she's Marvel real be... too. Yes. Like, yeah. so... <laughs> but it's, overall, I really love this movie. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really good. If I had to give it a rating right now out of 10, I'd probably, 8? I would go 8. I'd yeah. go just right at 8. I think that's it. Yeah, I'd go maybe eight point five, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I I could see an I could see an eight. Mm-hmm. I'm sort of waffling between eight and eight point five. Mm-hmm. Like, I, could, I think I, I would even, have to see it again yeah, to really yeah. know. I could so. even be convinced to go up to nine, probably. I think so but too. It, it's, yeah, it's there's there's a few minor whatever problems, but every movie like quibbles has that. and yeah. things like that. Yeah. Overall, I loved it. I'm assuming if you're listening to this, you've seen it. If not, <laughs> Sorry. go. Well, if not, go. You'll still enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, it's you're still, still fun. Absolutely. You might understand this better if you go see it. Yes. But does anyone have anything they want to plug? Um. Yeah, you guys can follow me at Star Wars Bill. You can listen to my uh, podcast about Star Wars called Skywalking Through the League. I talk... Star Wars every week or whenever we can find time to record with my friend Trey. Um, and we What's work... a recording schedule? I've never understood. I don't, I don't either. It, there is no schedule. We just like, hey, you want to record? Yeah, there's news to talk about. Um, so yeah, take a listen to us at Skywalking TL. And uh, Daniel, thank you so much for letting me be here and for going to see the movie with you. And mm-hmm. as as I all often say on, on the pod, Papa Bless. <laughs> Beth, do you want to plug anything? Just that I do. I have finally remembered that I have a Twitter account, and I'm it's actually good. posting to it now. Um, so you can find me at Dunce Librarian. So that's D U N S Librarian on Twitter. So I post uh, books I like and library news, and just also my personal opinions on geek culture and things I like. So give mm-hmm. me a follow. Sweet. And you can find me at Daniel Dunstan, and you can find the podcast at Nerds for Normal on Twitter. That's at Nerds, the number four, mm-hmm. normal. We'll keep trying to put out episodes. We might hit some delays as we get into tournament time, and a couple, well, most of actually the podcast works somewhat uh-huh. affiliated with that. <laughs> About <laughs> half of us. So we'll, um, we'll do our best. <laughs> Maybe but- a Shazam? Maybe. I guess depends on if we go to Final Four. Yeah, we'll but uh, we'll uh, we'll see. And you can we'll be posting stuff on Twitter throughout because that's a little easier to get up there than a hour plus podcast. But yeah, uh, check us out. Rate and review us on iTunes or your podcast listening service of your choice. And as always, see you, nerds. <laughs>